Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Good morning. Today is the day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing. We are glad in it, even though when we look around the world, we see many causes for deep concern and prayerful attention uh, and, frankly, evangelical uh, presence. And so that's who we are. That's what we're in the world to do. We're we are in the world to be agents of God's grace and ambassadors of his kingdom and his kingdom principles. We are going to try to bring those to bear today uh in, in every way, in every place, in every relationship, in every action and interaction that we have. And so in order to do that effectively, we need to be in the Word before we get that out there into the world. And so let me encourage you to be in the Word before you're in the world today. We're going to get into the Word here in just a moment with Bill English. He's back. He and I are working our way um, through the life of of David, who in our, uh, in our conversations uh, is yet to be realizing his anointing. I mean, he's realized his anointing, but it hasn't been realized in terms of him getting to serve as king. And so uh, we are uh, working our way um, through a series of conversations on the leadership lessons we learn from the life of David. And so we're going to be in the Word today in First Samuel chapter 22, if you want to go ahead and grab your Bible and get there before um, Bill comes on. Um, one uh, one headline note here, I recognize that... Um, Conversations today are going to be consumed largely by uh, the impeachment proceedings now officially underway. I think that, first of all, let's just recognize that this is not actually fundamentally different than what was happening two days ago in terms of impeachment inquiry. Um, There were already groups of people in Washington, D.C. looking into these matters. And so for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to announce yesterday that a quote unquote official impeachment inquiry is underway. Um, that has garnered a lot of headlines. It will be interesting to see um, how the process changes. It's a little bit like uh, if you were going to think of this as a legal proceeding, it's a little bit like there is now a formal grand jury process. So these are not impeachment charges. This is the group of people looking at whether or not they think that there are reasons to bring a charge of impeachment. And so um, this is an investigatory process. It, 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 I recognize that the language is um, is very challenging. We've only had four presidents in all of U.S. history who have had an official impeachment inquiry, only two who have been uh, formally impeached, and both of those acquitted by the Senate. And so that's where we are in this process today. I encouraged, uh, I encouraged all of us at the top of the first hour to recognize that as Christians, um, we need to listen we need to consider, we need to pray, and we need to be people who sow peace. And so I'm going to encourage us to take that posture today. I promise you that um, tomorrow we will start jumping in uh, headlong into the conversations related to impeachment, because I feel like 24 hours from now, we're going to know a little bit more about what those who are uh, entering into this inquiry really have in their in their thoughts in terms of how they're going to proceed. So when I come back, Bill English and I are going to get into the Word of God. We are going to be in... 
First Samuel chapter 22. We'll be right back. Okay, for those of you who set your clocks by the 7.15 break we ordinarily take here uh, during the program, that's not happening today because we already uh, took yeah, the 7.15 break. My mistake, okay. folks. I take... It's okay. Yeah. It's all right. You know, so, we, we uh, still love you. Oh, Bill thanks. English is here. Paul Perot is here. Um, gentlemen, good morning. Hi, good morning. morning. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. All right, Bill. Yes, let's ma'am. jump in. Yes. Um, people can find what we're talking about today at BibleAndBusiness.com. We they are can. in a seri- series of conversations about the leadership lessons we learn from the life of David, and today we have arrived at 1 Samuel 22. What happens in this chapter? Well, last week, <clears throat> as, as people will recall, uh, David went to Ahimelech and, and was hungry, needed some bread, uh, needed to talk a little bit, and he ended up getting um, uh, Goliath's sword. Now, David is on the run now, right? He knows Saul wants to kill him. David is a wanted man, and he is the king's son-in-law. He has already been anointed to be king, but he's not king yet, and the current king, Saul, wants to kill him. And so David is on the run. He goes uh, as part of his running away from Saul. He ends up in a town called Nob with Ahimelech, who is the priest, and uh, he's hungry, so he gets some bread, and then he gets a sword, and he goes on his way. He talks to Ahimelech in front of a guy named Doeg. And Doeg is an Edomite. He's not an Israelite. And uh, Doeg ends up telling Saul that, hey, I saw David. He was with Ahimelech. And so Saul calls for Ahimelech and all the men in his family, and he ends up killing them all because Saul feels like Ahimelech conspired against him, Saul, rather than supporting him by killing David. And, uh, and as a result, when David finds out that uh, Ahimelech has been killed by Saul, he says, you know, I, I, I knew I shouldn't have been talking in front of Doeg, but I did it, and I was wrong, and I'm the guy who really got Ahimelech killed. And so that's kind of the gist of the story that we're talking about today. So what we're going to focus in on is is this this idea, this reality that David, when he is standing there um, with Ahimelech, he um, he knows that Doeg is listening. Yes, he does. And he has this what we will call his we I could call this sixth sense when he says, "I knew." He would be sure to tell Paul to tell Saul. He David is acknowledging there something that you and I are going to uh, talk about today as intuition. David's intuition is that Doeg is going to tell Saul if, in fact, you know we we speak in front of him right now about these things. And so, um, David then takes responsibility. I mean, he says to, uh, isn't he talking here to Abiathar? Uh, uh, or Abiathar? Yeah, Abiathar. Yeah, okay. So he says to him, look, I'm responsible for the death of your whole family. But don't be afraid. Stay with me. The man who wants to kill you also wants to kill me, um, so you'll be safe with me. Right. Uh, that's that's where we are in 1 Samuel 22. And so this is a, this this might be um, an obscure passage of Scripture. There might be friends of ours who don't even know this is in the Bible. You know, and there so might be. There might be. We hope he's listening right now. We do. Actually, he's um, teaching a class right now. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so Abimelech, I mean, Ahimelech, excuse me, Ahimelech 
uh, is is now dead, as are all of the other uh, priests of the Lord. And um, Abiathar or Abiathar, he escaped and fled to to join David. And so that's who we have now at this um, at this juncture. So talk with us. Let's just start the conversation about intuition. How did David knew what he could not have known any other way but by this sort of sixth sense? Sixth sense, yeah. We call it sixth sense, intuition. Um, yeah, how would he have known? I, I don't know how he knew, but he tells us that he knew. And, you know, when you start looking at what intuition is, I did I did some reading on this last night. It's really this vague concept of being able to acquire knowledge without having to read something or be taught something, you're just kind of emotionally and intellectually at the same time connecting dots, but you're not sure that you can put your finger on why. I, many of many of us uh, who have strong intuition understand what I'm talking about here. And David had that. And how he got it, I don't know. So the way I describe it, because this is actually something that's true of me, like I I possess this. I am, I am a person who has pretty good intuition. I am really good at connecting dots. And the way I have described it is I can like aggregate and synthesize and prioritize information without employing something that I would regard as any kind of intentional process. It it's sure. um, it becomes sure. instinctual, that right? Makes sense. Yeah. And so um so I think of it as as that which comes by there not having to be an intentional process employed. Yes. Yeah, you and I are the same because I have strong intuition too, and I have learned over the years when I when I ignore my intuition, I usually get myself in trouble. When I follow my intuition, I usually uh, come out on the on the right side of things. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, recognizing when when our intuition is you know sort of operating, and how do we pay attention to it? Because I think that's what matters, right? We've it, we don't want to ignore it. We don't want to ignore something that. God is trying to tell us by the power of his Holy Spirit, which is where you and I are going to go with this conversation here in a second. Sure. Um, uh, we don't want to ignore that, um, but we also want to be pretty discerning about it. So where do you want to, where do you want to lean into that portion of the conversation? <laughs> yeah, I lean into it uh, by looking at it and saying, for me, intuition, it, it just kind of hits me. Um, it's not even a physical feeling, but it it just hits me in a way that I go, wait a minute, there's something else here, and what I'm sensing is this, but I can't put my finger on why. That's usually how I describe it. And so I, there there may be a business decision, and I, I may be thinking, um, well, okay, a concrete example. Uh, back when I owned a, a training company, it was a $9 million company, 65 people. I had a guy come in and uh, he said, you know, Bill, I, I'm really done here. I don't like working here anymore. I'm going to leave. Put in his two weeks notice. And he, he left my office, right? And I just sat back and I thought, there's four more people who are going to resign in the next month. And I didn't have any evidence to support that. It's just that I knew that they were all good friends. And I knew that they all um, kind of thought the same way, generally speaking, about life, about politics, about all kinds of things. And I thought, I bet all four of them resign in the next month. And sure enough, they all did. Five of them all resigned in one, one month. I didn't have any um, I didn't have any uh, roadmap for that. I didn't have a process like you were talking about. It, I just knew it was going to happen, and it did. So when we're when we're speaking here, um, I'm going to use the the term spiritual sensitivity because I think that um, 
when you and I are talking about intuition, when we are, as Christians, having this conversation, we are talking about how the Holy Spirit becomes the operating system of, of not only our thinking, but our feeling. How the, how the Holy Spirit can actually uh, use our sensitivity, like, and when we use that term, we're actually talking about just like the five regular senses, how, how the Holy Spirit, you know, raises the hair on the back of my neck or, or leads me to suddenly see something about someone that I cannot see by my other five senses that I can't, you know, I can't actually see with my eyes, but I'm seeing it with my heart. Yeah. And so, you know, this eyes of my heart being enlightened business is, I think, what we're talking about. And so I just I would describe that as um, spiritual sensitivity. I mean, the spirit in me resonates positively with the spirit in you because the Holy Spirit is operating in you and the Holy Spirit's operating in me. I have spiritual sensitivity to the fact that the Holy Spirit is not operating in some other people and the Holy Spirit within me um, puts up a pretty quick uh, layer of um, of guard in those relationships. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Go ahead. So, yeah, well, well, so when we when we make the transition here to a conversation about the Holy Spirit speaking to us, right? Because yeah. I think that's what we're talking about. Um, now, oftentimes, if I would say, okay, well, and I'm, I probably wouldn't say it this way, but people use this language. They will say, well, God spoke to me, or I heard the Holy Spirit. And uh, my alarm bells go off because, you know, I believe that the Word of God is is a closed canon. But I'm, but I'm also aware that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God communicates uh, to a lot of people today in a lot of really extraordinary ways, but never in ways that are inconsistent with his revealed uh, character and will. So talk about how I discern whether or not what I'm sensing is really God's leading, the Holy Spirit's leading, or just my rationalizing something I want. So two ways. Number one is, is it consistent with Scripture as you've just described, right? I, I That's, to me, hands down the first one. If if uh, if a young person is saying, yeah, I think God is leading me to marry this person, and we're going to live together, and God condones this. Well, you know, no, he doesn't. And so, A, the, is it consistent with Scripture? But B... How do I say this? Does it pass? Um, does it pass the internal spirit identification test, for lack of a better phrase? Okay. In other words, does it fit? Does it resonate with my spirit? Because our spirits have been made alive, right? Because we are regenerated, our spirits communicate with the Holy Spirit, and and we know that from John 16, the Holy Spirit does not speak on his own. He only speaks what he hears, right? And all that he has comes from Christ, and all that Christ has uh, comes from God, and God has given everything to Christ. So uh, we know that our spirits communicate with the Holy Spirit. And so our spirits, in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, can put up a, a negative um, emotion or a negative thought or a don't do this or a kind of a roadblock that it's a check in your spirit. And that's the more subjective one. And I think, Carmen, that's where so many people get stuck because they go, well, how do I know that that's the Holy Spirit versus Satan talking to me? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, you know, it, it, it's interesting when you read, um, Oh, what's his name? Neil Anderson. Did you ever read Neil Anderson's book, Bondage Breaker, Victory Over the Darkness? I'm going back 20 years here. No, um, but go ahead. Plow yeah. on, man. He, uh, he in, in, in those books, um, cause he taught out at Talbot for a number of years in the seminary out there. Um, he said, he, to his way of thinking, 
the only the Holy Spirit can read our thoughts and put thoughts into our head. The uh, the enemy has never described in the scriptures as being able to speak to our spirits or speak to our minds. They have to speak audibly somehow. And so um, when you when you get something inside of yourself, right, and it's there, and it just feels right, and it's in con- and it's consistent with the scriptures. I would say if you're still wondering, then get a couple of other friends, sit Absolutely. down and pray about it. And and the way we do that is we say, God, this is what we've heard, um, and we command the voices of distraction and um, and uh, discouragement and and the voices of confusion from the enemy to be silenced. Give us unusual sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Father, is this what you're really saying to us? And if there's confirmation with one or two others, then I think you know you're on the right path. I think there's no question, Bill, that the more scripture we know and the better we know the heart of Christ, the better we know um, the character of God, the easier this process becomes. Yes, absolutely. And and, and so I think that when, um, I mean, I got a phone call a couple of weeks ago um, and this person was sharing, you know, just saying like, I'm, I'm, I'm driving right now and I just needed to, to tell somebody else that I'm having these really dark thoughts about doing something that would bring an end to my physical life. And I said, um, okay. And, 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 and then she said, I don't want to scare you. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. So, um, um, <laughs> right. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's walk through this. First of all, we know that's not of God. Right. Okay. Right. Because life is, is not only God's gift to you, but Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And so the, whatever you're hearing right now, that's not of God. That's not of God. And so let's, yeah. let's talk about who you're hearing right now and why you're having those dark thoughts um, and and how we can drive drive the presence of that spirit out because that's what's going on. Now I think that as Christians we have to be willing to absolutely jump into the conversations of the day with that kind of conviction and authority. We have to be able to say to people who are walking in darkness, "You are walking in darkness." Yes, there is light. Yes, um, and 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 where there is light, darkness cannot remain. And so if you are having dark thoughts, particularly those that would lead to your your physical harm or the destruction of others or um, things that you know are absolutely contrary to the revealed will of God in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, that's not God. And we as Christians have to be, we have to be able to say with conviction in our conversations today that whoever you're hearing right now, that's not God. Absolutely. And good leaders know their intuition. They hear from the Spirit, and they know when to speak and when not to. They know what decisions to make based on what the Spirit is telling them. This is such an important thing. It really is. All right. We all need to get to know the shy member of the Trinity better. We all need to get to know the Holy Spirit better. We all need to be in the Word of God more that... um, that when uh, challenges arise and when we wonder whether or not what we're hearing is of the Lord, we will know because we will know whether or not it resonates with uh, who God is and what has God has already done. Um, and we test it with one another. We, we test it with brothers and sisters in Christ. And we say, hey, I think this is what I'm hearing. Um, how does that resonate with, uh, with the Holy Spirit in terms of how you know him and know God's will? All right, Bill, we got to leave it right there. Thank you, you so much. Um, for being with us. Thank you for walking with us in this conversation. You guys can check it all out at bibleandbusiness.com. We'll be right back.
Okay, if you were given the opportunity as an evangelical Christian to stand before one of the kings of this world, literally a monarch, uh, a person who you know does not share your faith in Jesus Christ, what would you do with that opportunity? How would you use your audience with the king? Psalm 119 reminds us um, of David's words. I will speak of your testimonies before kings and I will not be ashamed. Matthew 10 verse 18 uh, reminds us of what Jesus said as he was sending his disciples out to bear witness. He says, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Acts 26 is the testimony of the Apostle Paul when he is uh, has an audience with King Agrippa. Now, mind, mindful, uh, let's be mindful there. He is in chains in the midst of that conversation. But what would you do as an evangelical Christian with the opportunity to have an audience with a king, a king of a foreign faith, a king of a foreign government? Well, a number of our evangelical brothers and sisters had that opportunity with Saudi, uh, the Saudi crown prince on September the 11th in Saudi Arabia. And we're going to be talking with one of them in just a minute. Wayne Peterson will be here to share his experience of sharing the gospel, hopefully, uh, in an audience with the king of Saudi Arabia. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When your team messes up big time, what in the world do you say? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Well, Mark Twain said, choose your words carefully. He said this, the difference between the exact words and the almost right words is like the difference between lightning bugs and lightning bolts. Hey, it's easy to love your team when everything's going well, but it's a whole lot different when they bust your rules, trounce on your boundaries, and still have the audacity to ask you for cash. So the next time your team makes a royal blunder, don't say anything that'll jeopardize your relationship. Don't resort to toxic remarks and judgment. Instead, tell your teen exactly what he needs to hear. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit and He's given us new life. We believe so two weeks ago on the eve of September the 11th, many of us became aware that uh, several evangelical Christians were, um, were having an audience in uh, the Saudi kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And one of those uh, individuals is Wayne Peterson, and he is joining me now. Wayne, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, good morning, Carmen. Good to hear your voice again. Good to be on with you. Good morning. It's great to have you with us. Let me remind folks that Wayne is a member of the board of directors of the National Religious Broadcasters. Full disclosure here, I'm a member of the NRB. Uh, Wayne is on the board of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. You know them as ECFA. He's the former president and CEO of the NRB. He's also former president of Reach Beyond, an international Christian radio ministry. And he's a member of the board of directors of the Joshua Fund. Um, the Joshua Fund was started by Joel and Lynn Rosenberg, and they were the hosts of this particular delegation, which also included uh, Johnny Moore and Larry Ross, uh, Ambassador John Kenneth Blackwell, uh, Michael Little, uh, the Heitzigs from Albuquerque, a number of folks who... Uh, journeyed together to Saudi Arabia, um, and as a part of that, had an audience with the crown prince. Let's just talk for a moment about that experience. 
Well, it, it's amazing. You know, I grew up on a, a grain and dairy farm in northern Minnesota, and to meet with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia is pretty torn, a tall corn for us. But uh, this is our second visit with South Arabian uh, crown prince Mohammed bin Salman. And uh, the first visit was amazing as he opened up to social reforms going on in the country for more freedoms for women, more freedoms for Christians and Jews. And he invited us back a second time. And it's a time for uh, these are, you know, friendly diplomatic sessions. But this is the first time for centuries or first time ever that a group of evangelical Christians has been invited to meet with the top leadership of Saudi Arabia. So it's truly amazing and unprecedented. And uh, we see this as doors that God is opening for uh, greater understanding, greater trust, and greater opportunities to understand the Arabian culture, but also for them to understand what we as evangelical believers believe. Now, Wayne, um, you know, there are going to be people listening right now who are going to be saying to themselves, um, Saudi Arabia is an Islamic state. Saudi Arabia is governed um, by a constitution that is the Quran. Um, they are governed by Sharia law. They are some of the worst human rights violators in all the world. Um, there are going to be people listening right now who are going to immediately ask the question, you know, was the opportunity to to share the gospel? You know, did the evangelicals in the room share the gospel? And I'm going well, to let you answer that question, and then we can talk more about you know, sure. what these opportunities uh, are really designed to achieve. Well, and Carmen, what you've decided uh, is part of the history of Saudi Arabia. There's no question about that, but it's changing, and it's changing uh, dramatically. Uh, recently, the king of Saudi Arabia called together 1,200 uh, Muslim scholars. They created a, a charter of uh, Mecca which basically says that uh, we are going to be more tolerant. We're fighting extremism and terrorism. Uh, we're going to build relationships with Israel and with Jews. We're tolerant of other religions. Uh, Christians are welcomed here to continue to worship in their homes uh, without interference from the government. So there's no doubt that Saudi Arabia has a long ways to go, but also there's no question they've come a long ways and when they invite evangelicals in, this is an opportunity to create dialogue. And in direct answer to your question, we did have opportunity to share our faith. We did have opportunities to share. This is what we as evangelicals believe, that Jesus is the Son of God. He came to earth to live the perfect life that we can't live. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He rose again from the dead so that we could have eternal life. And so we, we clearly share that. We were able to pray for the country in the name of Jesus, and that was received with actually quite great emotion on the part of the Crown Prince. And we also had an opportunity to uh, plead for uh, political prisoners, religious prisoners in the country, ask for their release, and also to... Uh, to plead for religious freedom, greater religious freedom, so that uh, Christians can worship not just behind their gates in their homes, but worship openly in the culture. And uh, we are assured that uh, with increased social reforms, that day is coming, but not now. So I think that um, when we talk about laying the groundwork of relationships, that's part of what I hear you talking about, like, right, because it's uh, relationships are really formed and established over time. 
Um, and there's an acknowledgement that we are on, you know, somebody else's turf. We're in somebody else's house. Um, and, you know, and their house rules do at some level govern how far we go. Um, I think of Paul in front of Agrippa and he's in chains. And part of uh, part of the power of his testimony um, or his opportunity to bear the kind of witness that he bore is simply because he's in chains. It's really obvious um, that, uh, you know, uh, who is in a position of power and authority in that moment in terms of worldly power. Um, and so I'm I'm cognizant of that as I ask these questions. But the reason that I'm asking, Wayne, is these are the questions that, right, these are the questions that evangelicals across the country um, are going to think to ask of this uh, of this meeting, of this event. And one of the questions that I'm hearing is, why September 11th? Like, that just seems like salt in a wound um, that's not yet healed here in this country, um, recognizing that 15 of the 19 terrorists on September 11th were Saudis. Well, and uh, Carmen, we picked that date uh, intentionally, uh, using that as an opportunity to uh, talk with their top government officials about this. And, uh, you know, without revealing too much of an off-the-record meeting, it was acknowledged that the nation uh, at that time, uh, it was a turning point for Saudi Arabia to see the terrible results of extremism and terrorism and see how it was affecting and killing uh, many, many lives. And it was a wake-up call uh, for the leadership there that things have to change and that we're going to take on the terrorists and we're no longer going to tolerate terrorism and extremism. And we want to go back to what uh, Islam was 40 years ago when it was not known as a terroristic extremist uh, religion. So uh, being there on that date was a statement to them and a statement to the world that uh, things are changing. And so uh, it was interesting to hear the reaction of the officials when we talked about this, because it's a new day. That was then. This is now. And recognizing, uh, they recognize internally, they still have a long ways to go in addressing terrorism. But they are uh, they are uniting with uh, other uh, uh, Saudi Arabian nations, Muslim nations like uh, Jordan and United Arab Emirates and Egypt to fight terrorism and make sure that that doesn't happen again. All right. I'm going to continue my conversation with Wayne Peterson in just a moment. Uh, he and I are talking about this really extraordinary opportunity that a handful of evangelicals had uh, to visit the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and 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 have an audience with the crown prince. We're going to continue this conversation on mornings with Carmen in just a moment. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Wayne Peterson, uh, he is a, a colleague in radio ministry. Uh, he is a member of the board of directors of the National Religious Broadcasters and the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, two organizations that I, I certainly high res- highly respect and appreciate. Um, he has uh, participated in two trips to Saudi Arabia, the most recent, in the week of September 11th, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Wayne, one of the things that I find extraordinary about um, uh, about the agenda of the event <clears throat> uh, is some of the some of the language that um, that is captured here. And I want to I want to use it as an opportunity to talk about all of the things that happen that aren't on the agenda. 
right? Because I think that when people when people think about this kind of trip and they and they you know they might hear that you had meetings with uh, a U, the U.S. ambassador to Saudi Arabia or the general secretary of the Muslim World League or Saudi Arabia's ambassador to Yemen. Um, or members of the Saudi military, or I mean, on and on and on. These uh, these advisors to uh, His Majesty King Salman, and then you did meet, you know, with the Crown Prince. When people see this, and in between, in between, if they look carefully, they'll see these words: motorcade two, motorcade two, motorcade two. Right? Not most of us have never been in a motorcade of any kind, and it <laughs> made me. So as I was reading this, two two thoughts came to mind, and so this is the question that I want to ask. <clears throat> The the fact that Saudi Arabia um, welcomed and showed generous hospitality to people who are recognized globally as evangelical Christians, um, who who sit with the president of the United States and talk about uh, and talk about issues and concerns um, like religious liberty and religious freedom and what's happening around the globe in terms of uh, of Christian persecution, um, people who have that audience with the U.S. president are having this audience with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. I am wondering what people, regular people, and people who you encountered at the hotel when, you know, the motorcade arrives or leaves, those are the people who I feel like there's real, like, cultural impact with because they see their country hosting recognizable evangelical figures. Well, and it hasn't just been uh, Saudi Arabia either, you know, second visit to Saudi Arabia, but uh, our our group has had similar uh, experiences in Egypt with uh, President al-Sisi of Egypt, who is making similar uh, dramatic uh, social reforms and acceptance of uh, Christians and making it clear that Christians are welcome here in Egypt and they'll be present, uh, re- represented and protected. Uh, similar experience with King Abdullah of Jordan, who has also welcomed evangelical delegation there. And our team has sat with the king and his cabinet explaining biblical prophecy and what evangelicals believe. United Arab Emirates as well. Actually, the crown prince of United Arab Emirates was born in a missionary hospital uh, years ago, and he points that with pride. So we see that there are there are uh, holes in the wall, and I see God poking holes in this wall where we can sit down and uh, relate to what many would say is the enemy, and in many ways historically they have been, uh, but uh, an ability to build a relationship, you know. And I think of not only Paul the apostle, but I think of Joseph, uh, that worked under one of the most corrupt. Uh, Egypt uh, pharaohs in history. I I think of Obadiah, who uh, worked under a wicked king, Ahab. You know, I think of of others that uh, throughout history, uh, look at Daniel uh, serving under a a very wicked Babylonian and later the Mede-Persian kings. So this is not unusual for evangelical, for followers of Jehovah, followers of Jesus, to be able to operate as strong uh, believers in uh, God, Jehovah, and having an opportunity to live a God-honoring life while serving under very hostile governments. So when God opens the door, how do you not go in and come in as representative of Jesus, the Son of God, and to, uh, to share the love of God? 
And we saw it not only at the highest level, but on on the waiters in the restaurants and on the on the cab drivers and on those that waited on us, a great friendliness and openness. So it's not just on the high level. Uh, obviously, we were treated uh, very specially uh, and given high security. But at the same time, we're welcomed with some of the, the most beautiful hospitality you could expect. So one um, one final question. And again, Wayne, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a really it's a joy to talk with you. Um, uh, my last question is about Yemen. Um, real, I mean, genuine humanitarian crisis, uh, a proxy war situation. Uh, Saudi Arabia is heavily involved. Um, talk with us about Yemen. Well, uh, and we had quite a briefing from the military about Yemen, and the uh, one of the problems is that uh, that the minority terrorists are being funded by Iran. The bombs that were sent into Saudi Arabia on the oil refineries and on some of the ships are Iranian-made bombs and rockets that uh, the Houthis are using against Saudi Arabia. So when Saudi Arabia goes in and uh, does attacks, it's against the extremists there. The bulk of uh, Yemeni residents are suffering terribly at the hands of the rebels and the extremists that are existing there and being funded by Iran. So the war uh, of Saudi Arabia in Yemen is really against Iran and the ISIS and the terrorists there that are uh, funding and supplying weaponry to the uh, Yemeni uh, extremists. And so it's it's a bit different from what's being portrayed uh, in media as a war against Yemen, which is actually a war against Iran. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we could have a whole conversation about Iran, but we don't have time today. So, Wayne Peterson, thank you um, so much for joining us. Thank you for giving us a window into your experience on this trip. Uh, may everyone today, including Wayne and Carmen, be uh, reliable witnesses to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we operate as the ambassadors of the king and the kingdom in the midst of kingdoms of this world. We'll be right back. Okay, so would you accept the invitation if invited? Would you accept the invitation um, if invited to, I don't know, the home of the uh, strip club owner? You know, this is maybe bringing it, right? Like bring it home um, and ask yourself, is there an invitation that I would reject in terms of hospitality where I might have the opportunity to bear positive public witness um, to who Jesus Christ is, what he has done in my own life and... Um, what he is doing in in the world, right? So how am I today going to operate as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of this world? Sometimes real kings and real kingdoms like Saudi Arabia and its crown prince. Sometimes um, little, uh, little fiefdoms in my own neighborhood, uh, right? So that's our obligation and our opportunity today. Let's let the Holy Spirit be the operating system in our hearts and minds, saturating our lives with the scriptures Uh, in order that when the world presses in, what comes out of us would be the very word of the living God. To his honor and glory we live this day and always. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. 
If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.